0: Go to transformativeprincipal.org/mastermind to see if you qualify to join a group of like-minded people who are ready to be the best principals in the country. Transformative Principal Episode 121 with Susie Wise. This week we are talking with Susie about the shadow of student experience and what that challenge was all about, and how to help have empathy for our students so that we can meet their needs where they're at. I hope you enjoy listening, and please share this with your other friends and principal leaders so that they can learn the great things that you're learning right now. It's hiring season all across the country, and time to dust off your interview questions. Go to org to download 10 interview questions to find the best teachers. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am very excited to have today on the show Susie Wise, who is the K-12 Lab Network Director of the Stanford D School, which many of you have probably heard about in one way or another and didn't really know exactly what it was. It sounds very cool and exciting, the Stanford D School. And she has been there since two thousand. 12 was when she came back. She was there before in 2007. And she stumbled upon design thinking when she took a course with David Kelly in 2003. And the experience helped her make sense of the universe. So, Susie is motivated by the simple belief that humans are, by nature, designers and recently a design strategist and innovation coach at Intuit. Her practice centers on inspiring teams to use empathy to get to innovative outcomes. She has a PhD in learning sciences and technology design from Stanford School of Education and is a co-founder of the Urban Montessori Charter School in Oakland. She lives there with her husband and daughter, And yes, that is the one in the movie, Babies, which I did have to look up. Susie, thank you so much for being a part of the Transformative Principle podcast today. Is there anything else that I missed that you want to tell about yourself?
1: Oh, no, that's great. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, the reason that I'm having you on is to really first talk about the Shadow a Student program. So let's go ahead and start there. Where did the idea come from and talk about how it went? This Was this the first year or have you done this multiple years? This is the first year I heard about it.
1: Yeah, so this is the first year we did the Shadow Student Challenge as part of our school retool program, but it's actually not a new practice. We first learned about it when the Washington Post back in 2014 covered, kind of republished a blog post um, that Grant Wiggins' daughter had done about a transformative experience she had had doing a shadow. So we knew that it was an interesting practice and that you could get a lot from it. In design thinking, we're deeply interested in the role that empathy plays in helping to get to innovative outcomes for, you know, critical problems that you're trying to solve. And so as we were creating School Retool, this fellowship program for school leaders, we knew that we wanted to include a shadow day in the program. Because empathy is so critical to helping make change we wanted to include it and so when we ran a pilot we found that the every single principal that did the shadow day was profoundly moved some of them were really excited that the student they shadowed showed them things that they hadn't seen in their school before that were quite positive. And others had really sad experiences of recognizing some of the things that weren't working at their school and some of the ways in which their school wasn't particularly student-centered. And so we just, from that early experience, we we just loved it. And we, um, we went to the White House um, last November in 2015 and had a chance to say that we wanted to get a thousand principals hacking towards change, towards deeper learning in their school. And when we sat down to think about what that could look like, the practice that we felt like would be really powerful for folks to start with was, in fact, a shadow day. So we, together with our partners at the design firm IDEO, worked together to create the Shadow a Student Challenge and just ran it for its first time as a national challenge. Again, it's a known practice, but what we did was put it together with materials to help uh, people get started and then built some community around it with our goal of trying to get a thousand folks to do it. We thought we'd be able to generate some interesting community online around it. And um, we were particularly intrigued with the idea of offering to do the, the Shadow Student Challenge of the week of February 29th since we were since it's a leap year and again shadowing a student is a known practice people have done it but also many school leaders kind of have it on their list of like oh if only i had time to do a shadow a student day it might be really interesting and so we loved the idea of combining it with leap day so that there was in fact an extra day and what better way to use it than having a deep empathy experience and getting a chance to walk in the shoes of of one of the students at your school yeah so that's kind of how it came about
0: that's cool. I really like that idea of doing it on a leap day to have an extra day to do something. What was the response like? Did you reach your goal of a thousand or did you exceed it?
1: We met and exceeded our goal. We're pretty excited. And we find even though the week itself, the official week is over, we uh, people are still signing up. Right now, we're at 1,456 folks signed on to the map, and that's across all 50 states. We also worked really hard to get to all 50 states. And it includes 26 countries, which is just like exciting, exciting bonus points.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's great. So when you're doing this, what is your goal for doing the shadow student movement? Is it to Just establish empathy, or is it deeper than that?
1: Yeah, so it does go beyond that, although I think empathy is a really important first step. But our big goal is for folks to have an empathy experience and to think about where they want to double down or where they want to see change in their school and take action. We sometimes call it hacktion because we like this idea of spreading the notion of how do you hack your school towards deeper learning, And so, by hack, we mean a small, scrappy experiment. We don't mean anything illegal or having to do with you know technology per se. A hack to us is a small, scrappy experiment. And so, after you've done a shadow, the notion is that you think about something that you've seen. Perhaps you had a feeling that students didn't didn't have enough opportunity to share their feelings or opinions or offer in topics that they were interested in. So how can you hack towards student choice, greater student choice? And the notion with hacking that we find is really important for school leaders is to not feel like you have to after you've observed something, that the change that you make doesn't have to be about a three-year plan, a five-year plan, passing a bond to build a new building. No, you want more student voice? How can you brainstorm what are some different ways that you could get students to share ideas they have for projects they'd like to do with teachers? right? Perhaps you could have a lunch meeting the next week where you offer to sit with a group of students and brainstorm with them some topics that they're interested in. And you could offer those up to the faculty, for instance. So that's, that's the idea of a hack. It's kind of a small bite-sized thing that you can do right away with available resources that will put you on the path towards, in this case that we're talking about, greater student voice or choice in their work. Um, and then that that by by hacking you get to learn. Gosh, students have all these areas of interest. And in fact, when we generate these ideas, gosh, our teachers really do want to take them up in some new ways. That might be really interesting. And so then you build, you start to build the momentum for change by hacking.
0: Yeah, I like that, and that's something that I've seen as a principal myself. That a lot of really powerful change happens just like that, where it's a small easy to implement thing that just kind of grows organically. Yeah. Have you been able to connect with the principals and hear some of the stories that have come out from people doing this?
1: Yeah. So we've, at this point, since we just ended the actual shadow week, we've mostly have been collecting stories from folks at this point around their shadow experiences and kind of that empathy experience. And we're just at the beginning of hearing about kind of where they might go with their hacks. So in terms of the empathy experiences folks are having, we are getting to a big range, some of, you know, experiences that folks have had and and we're excited to keep reflecting with folks too. But some of the things we're hearing is, um, Principals who are shadowing experiencing kind of the the big load that it takes cognitively to move from class to class and mode to mode. That you're going from, you know, trigonometry to then close reading of something to then something else to something else and feeling like there's not enough kind of processing space in the day. And so starting to question, gosh, is this organization of the day really working for kids? Um, that's that's one area that's kind of bubbling up as one of the themes. We've also heard a theme um, start to emerge that's around space and time for social and emotional learning. Feeling that kids are going from class to class, they have very little passing time, they don't actually have very much social time built into the day. And so some school leaders questioning, gosh, what does that mean for their social and emotional learning and life, if we don't build in some time for that? Um, and so both of those examples are, are really interesting ones where you could imagine all kinds of different hacks, some that could have to do with ways that you work with time, but also, gosh, what's a, what's a space hack? for getting to have time to share your social and emotional life, right? Or what's a new ritual that you might try out to add to the day that's 10 extra minutes of time spent in a more social and social way, for instance. And and that's where just like creativity gets unleashed by by digging into the empathy and really thinking gosh what, what could I do with what I've seen? And what we share in the hacktivity, which is kind of the the mini course that goes along with shadow a student, is we share some of the, the big ideas from deeper learning schools and ways that you might um, hack towards those. I was just going to, maybe I should mention, um, is it helpful to mention the that where that is on the, on the website.
0: Yes, that would be great.
1: Yeah. On shadowstudentorg slash course is where you get to a uh, hacktivity. And there, what you do is you choose a big idea and then you select a hack and then you take action. For instance, <laughs> it's not a MOOC. It's really a, just a mini course. And basically it just some, has some ideas for hacks to try at your school and and then just is kind of providing a model for what it for what it looks like to hack. So, for instance, on that, you know, if you observed a need for increased student voice, you might consider students as consultants. Um, and so, pick that idea. It just means like invite a student to consult with you on one of your projects. That's a really interesting way to get to understand students and their perspective and give them voices. Get their opinion on something that you're facing. Maybe it's a next conversation with your superintendent that you're kind of thinking about, or maybe it's a way that you want to work with your teachers. How interesting could it be to, to chat with a student or two about that?
0: I'm going to pause for just a minute here and talk about how you can help support the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I learn a ton from doing this podcast, and I know you do too. If you'd like to support me in this, you can become a patron through Patreon, and that would mean the world to me. You can support me for as little as a dollar a month, but anyone who supports me for $5 a month or more will get the Transformative Principle Members Only feed, which releases the interviews as I record them, rather than on a weekly schedule. If you've binge listened to any of the past episodes of this podcast, this is for you. And I know you're going to love it. So you're going to learn as quickly as I learn. And I thank you for supporting me. To become a patron, just go to transformativeprinciple.org. And on the right hand side, there'll be a little button that says Become a Patron. You can click on that and support me. Thank you so much for your support. Those are good small examples of things that you can do that don't require a lot. And I just want to emphasize that one of the things that we try to focus on here is is taking one little thing that we can do to improve our own job as principals and do a better job. And this is a great 15-minute exercise to to engage in and to find some way to respond to that experience that you had while you were shadowing a student. Exactly. And that really is, from what I'm hearing you say, it's not about what you do it's about doing something is that a good way to look at that
1: yeah i think so i mean and i think that just the the kind of getting going piece is is also that mindset piece so trying out something helps you and seeing that you quickly learn something again you take that student with you to a meeting let's say as a as a way to engage a student um, and he or she says something interesting and gets the conversation moving in a different way right there. It's just open you up to the potential for, gosh, what if we involve students in this or that or this or that? And so whatever action you take will help you to keep it going essentially.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I wanted to share a little bit with you my experience of shadowing a student last week. I followed a student around that was a struggling student who Definitely has the smarts, but not much of the desire to be at school all the time. And she has had many long talks with me about what school means to her and how it's not that engaging. And the most interesting thing for me is not about the actual shadowing, but at the end of the day, I went home and I was tired, grumpy, frustrated, and just done with dealing with people after yeah. after being a student for the day. And I'm not, I had just been gone for a week and had missed my family and there was a lot of other stuff, but it kind of felt like everything, that was like a straw that broke the camel's back. And at first I was really frustrated by that because I wanted this to be a very positive, exciting experience. And my assistant principal had shadowed another student the day before and he was so excited. That he said, oh my gosh, we can't talk about this until you do it because I want you to go in with an open mind. And then I had such a negative reaction to all the other stressors, I'm sure, in my life that I was just really bummed. And that was my first initial reaction. Now that I've had time to process it, I realized that it was my other stressors causing me to feel stressed and frustrated. And then what I learned was that this student was able to engage in her own way throughout the day and one of the things that that your reflection questions that you put out asked was what opportunities are there for the student to connect to have communication to have use their critical thinking skills and things like that and what i saw was that there wasn't a lot of that but she's not one who would really take advantage of that unless she was incredibly interested in the topic and so it, i was able to see that doing some worksheets or some low-level cognitive tasks that still taught her something was actually beneficial for her because she could go into that and could accomplish that. And you talked about the cognitive load of going from like trigonometry to close reading. I think that would have been really difficult for the student and for a lot of students that I work with to have that much cognitive load on them when they're not really ready for every day. So overall, it was a positive thing. And what I really realized was that our teachers really care about our kids. There was no down talking to kids. There was no sarcasm. There was no being rude or insensitive. Our teachers really treat our kids with respect. And that is something that I think is more important than just about everything else. And it was so good to see that firsthand. When teachers corrected students, they still had expectations, they still told them what they needed to do, but they were able to do that in a way that showed that they still cared, and I saw that time and time again. I posted a picture on Twitter about how I got a lecture from one teacher about using the learning spaces correctly, the whole class did, and the way that she framed it and the way that she was correcting our behavior as students was so powerful because it respected us and said these are the expectations for kids that I respect. And because I respect you, this is what you need to do. And just a really powerful thing to see how much care and kindness our teachers have towards our kids.
1: That's great. That's great. Can we go back a little bit to your, your sense of like frustration and exhaustion at the end of the day? Because <laughs> sure. I, I also think that that's like very real and worth digging into, too. Because I think many kids may feel that way themselves at the end of
0: the day. Agreed. Yeah.
1: Right? And so from an empathy perspective, like great to like to be able to embrace that and pick apart a little bit what was happening there and then think about gosh, is that potentially happening to kids, you know, many days in a row and, and what is you know, and what's the reflection on that?
0: Yeah, and I, I do think that our kids are Dealing with that. We've recently started focusing on trauma informed practices at our school and uh-huh. supporting students in that way. And you know, we know that there's many of our kids deal with traumatic events and and that's a that's a reality for a lot of people. And so we yeah. we're trying to approach that in a positive, supportive way. And uh-huh. thinking about that as I was playing the role of a student, I really think that there are a lot of every person's individual. So you can't really make generalizations that well. However, if school is frustrating and you go home and are frustrated, then you're going to have a more difficult home life. If school is your safe place and you go home to something that is not safe or something where there's trauma and you're always in crisis, that is also not a good situation. And really making sure that our school is a safe place, I think is more valuable now that I've been through that than I thought before. And I've always thought that was something that was important.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, part of it makes me think of one of the big ideas that are in the activity of, you know, kind of if what you noticed, was students maybe needing some more personal attention or some more relational attention from adults? Right? The big idea that we suggest hacking towards is, is advisory. And there's some different hack options there, which which play in some different ways. One of which we saw a principal do recently was just to pick that kid. And so it might be the student that you shattered, or it might be another another kid who for some reason you feel like is struggling. Either on a social emotional level related to trauma, or on a you know academically perhaps, and just doing the principal that created this hack just called it a three by five or a three by ten, which is just to have be sure that every single day for five or ten days you had a three minute conversation with that student, not about their schoolwork, about anything but, and that that repeated that daily short quick intervention can be extremely powerful. We've even heard that just from folks that have been shadowing who have just because they they leaned in and did the shadow with a student, then the student comes back to them the next day to say, hey, can we take a walk and reveal something right about their day or their life that the principal knows because they've never hung out with a student before. They wouldn't have revealed if they hadn't shown you know, their interest by shadowing or by having a short conversation. So it's it's really illuminating to me how powerful the even small outreach from an adult in leadership at a school, the, the power that that can... That that can be is pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, that is definitely powerful.
1: There's another hack that we share um, that sometimes we call the like check on the student safety net. But and maybe you've heard of this, but I think it's a really great practice. Where and it could be that you're picking a, a subset of students, you know, across some particular criteria, all the C and below students in sixth grade, or maybe in a smaller context, you know, it's all the you know it's all the eighth graders or something like that. It's all the ninth graders. And you put every student's name on the board and then put, you know, sticky, sticky notes, little dots next to every adult puts dots next to the names of all the kids that they know or feel like they have some kind of relationship with. And invariably, in many contexts anyway, there will be a few names which don't actually have any dots by them. Indicating that there nobody has none of the adults have a particular relationship with that student, and that's really powerful as a leader to recognize that and then be able to brainstorm with whoever that team was. Gosh, how can we? Who who is in a good position to reach out to this child and figure out a way to help bridge a relationship with an adult?
0: Yeah, I've heard a a few principals doing that in their schools, and that's a. A really powerful way to connect with kids to be sure. You've got some other big ideas in your activity, and one of them is the unwall your office. And can you talk a little bit about that idea and why that's so important?
1: Yeah, well, so it's just a, you know, we kind of listed as like, if what you noticed was, gosh, how much people were responding to, you know, some people have that thing of like how excited the kids were to see you, right? As see the principal. So it might be that you could imagine hacking towards being a little bit more accessible. And so the notion there is just that, Maybe you move your office. Maybe for a day you, you never, you commit to never going into your office. You lock your office door and you don't go in there for a day. Or you put a desk or a chair in some common space. Maybe it's the cafeteria. Maybe it's kind of the front hall foyer. Maybe it's the library. And be then really open to what, what comes up. Are there different conversations that you have? Do you see different children? Do you see different staff? And those are all then opportunities for really a new way to, to see your role, to see, to see space explicitly. And to, it opens you up for a lot of innovation potential because you've simply changed your point of view and you've allowed other folks to see you in a different way. The hack related to that that I I really like is also to to have a a quick stand-up meeting. And you could imagine that if you moved your office for a day to some central location, you could have multiple stand-up meetings during the day where you just kind of in a passing period, you gather a group of students and ask them about a particular topic or ask them to share what's frustrating them or ask them to share what's exciting them. And you could do that with staff. You could do that mixed. You could imagine parents being engaged. It just shifts. Uh, We all invariably fall into patterns around how we move around the space. And this is a way to intentionally design yourself into space in a new way.
0: Very cool. I I love that idea. And and, uh, Tom Whitby who was on this podcast earlier had a cart for his office that he just rolled around the school. And I think a couple of the principals have done that as well. Very cool, uh, different way to do that. So,
1: yeah, it's nice. And it's kind of a, it feels to me like a nice hack to do after Shadow Student Day. If your community has seen you in a new way, right? You make it, okay, it wasn't just that, just for the Shadow Student Challenge. I'm going to show up in lots of new ways right? And see what I can learn from that. And you can imagine too, like having a board or something else where you're just so like, you're sharing your insights, Right, or you know, maybe it's that you're tweeting them, or but, but you know, other ways that you're sharing kind of what are you seeing because you're taking on a different perspective. And then, there, for all of these kinds of things, then it's also exciting because, gosh, do do other people want to do this? Do kids want to do it? Do other adults in the school want to do it? It becomes kind of interesting then,
0: yeah. What well, I've had a couple of teachers already say, is there any chance I can do that? I want to see what it's like, too. <laughs> so, that's pretty cool. Yeah. We're going to try to find a way yeah. to make that happen. That was a great interview with Susie Wise about the Shadow Student Challenge, and I learned a lot from doing that as I shared, and I hope that you take a minute to do that. Even though the Shadow Student Challenge time period has passed, it's not too late for you to go out and start developing empathy for your students. Next week, we're going to continue our conversation with Susie about the design thinking process and how to to do that to impact our schools. In the meantime... If you wouldn't mind going to iTunes and leaving a rating and review for this podcast, that would sure mean a lot to me. It helps other people learn about it and helps it grow in iTunes charts, which is how other people see it. Thank you so much. Transformative Principles is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators by educators. Visit edupodcastnetwork.com for more great podcasts.